Welcome to the Green Edge podcast with Michael Cross and me, Fraser Harper. This is our update for the week ending 29th of September 2023. Fundamentally, we're not going to save the planet by bankrupting the British people. We need to put economic growth first, we need to put household uh, costs and budgets first, we need to put the cost of living first, and, uh, and we're only going to achieve that net zero target where, whereby people and uh, the British people can go about their daily lives. That was the Home Secretary, Suella Braverman, the day after Rishi Sunak's announcement that, among other things, a family living in a terraced house in Darlington won't, after all, have to pay £10,000 to rip out their old boiler for an expensive heat pump. Rishi wasn't specific who this family was, but let's call him Mr. and Mrs. Robson. That's a good old Northeast name. But Michael, joking aside, what happened last week? It was probably misreported, but it was very, very poorly communicated. We had two things staying in place that weren't abolished. One was the clean heat market mechanism, which affects boilers and gas boilers. And we also had the net zero mandate staying in place as regards motor cars, both come into force on the 1st of January 2024. They penalise people who are either making gas boilers or selling petrol-driven motor cars or diesel, that if they don't meet a quota of alternatives, heat pumps, electric cars, they will be paying a fine. They're staying in place. So the supply into the market is going to move away from the old world. Now, let's talk about Mr. and Mrs. Robson, and I know they're being concerned about their boiler. No one is being forced to change their boiler. It is no new boilers being installed in properties that are going to be fueled by gas. What will happen is that the grant has gone up from 5,000 to 7,500 after the October 23rd, and you can claim for that. And if you look on a website from Octopus or British Gas, you'll find deals for £500 to put in a heat pump as long as you claim the voucher after the due date of 23rd October. So I don't think that poor family was ever going to be forced to do this. You have this impression the bailiffs were going to turn up, rip out their boiler because it was sinning against the carbon emissions god, and it was going to be forcing them to take a heat pump. Well, as we said in the post, Suella Braverman's performance was a bit shaky, and she used emotive terms about bankrupting the British people that the mainstream media have picked up, uh, as you say, you know, headlines like major rollbacks on net zero came from directions like Sky. So well done there, Sky. But Sunak himself made a much better job of explaining himself in a press conference a couple of days later at the end of the week, where despite the efforts of the assembled media, he still managed to hit some important points on what, if we take him at his word at least, the motive for all this might be. So let's hear a little bit of what he said there. We haven't had an honest conversation about these issues in a long time. Right? It's not enough to just announce these targets, because it's a great headline in the short term, but kind of will this thing to happen. That's not right. I believe in net zero. We're going to get to net zero, but we're going to do it in a fair and proportionate way that is mindful of the impact on families. I'm absolutely confident we can do it, but throughout we will do it with people's consent because that is how we're going to bring them along with us. And if we don't do that, those of us who believe in delivering it will lose people. Fair and proportionate and consent. These are important words, aren't they? They are. And I smiled when he said it because I almost get the feeling he doesn't 
listen or talk to other MPs. If he just spoke to one MP, and we'll call that MP Chris Skidmore, Chris Skidmore has created a coalition around the move towards net zero. That's a coalition of all interested parties, of local authorities, of people who are physically doing things on the ground. And then if you look at his most recent report that came out on Tuesday around localism and place-based net zero policies, they highlighted schemes in Bristol and Hull and other places. And we see that in a number of local areas, they're both creating opportunities for investment and also high-grade, decent jobs for local people. So they've achieved local growth, local stability during a transition in areas in a just way. So I think he needs to get out and about perhaps and meet and talk to people who are physically doing things because consent is being created. But consent is also being expressed by the actions of consumers and the attitudes of consumers. We can see the sale of electric motor cars actually soaring at the present time. And we also saw from the most recent public opinion survey that went out on Friday, post his announcement, that over 65% thought it was a step backward. So I think consent is there and people have clocked net zero as a big issue and we all need to make our contribution. Okay, well, let's hear a little more from Rishi Sunak during the press conference last week. I think the debate on this has been charged with far too much emotion and not enough clarity. And there are people on extremes of this debate from either side. I don't think those extremes are right. I think the broad majority of people in this country, they believe in net zero, they're prepared to sacrifice for net zero, but they just want that to be done in a realistic way, and they want people to be honest with them about what's involved. This is not about the politics. This is about doing what's right for the country in the long term. We can't deliver the change that that people want to see unless we change how we do politics, And this is an example of that. And today is the first example of a big change in approach, a change in the way we do politics to put the long-term interests of the country first ahead of the short-term and chasing the easy way out. A change in the way we do politics to put the long-term interests of the country first ahead of the short-term and chasing the easy way out. Now, some might argue, Michael, this should apply to more than just net zero. You're right, but let's just focus on the net zero and related matters, because other people have walked into this. We've had a thing called the National Audit Office since 1983. Move on a few years to 2008, and the Climate Change Committee was set up. And then in 2010, the Office for Budget Responsibility was established, and that walks into net zero. And then if you move north of the border into Scotland, you have the Just Transition Commission was set up in 2019. These are all independent bodies that the whole of Parliament buys into to oversee and manage and monitor what's going on in our economy. And in particular, the latter bodies I mentioned around net zero. And we see very, very recently in Australia, they've set up their net zero authority to oversee and be independent of government and to keep government honest and on track. So I think If Rishi Sunak is true about taking the politics out, these sorts of bodies have a key role, as does the coalitions being created at local level to drive and make change happen. The local energy area plans or the local action energy plans, depending how you want to phrase it, are crucial to this and they are getting buy-in from local people. And if we just see some of the pilots that have been done around solar, around hydrogen, which is intriguing, there's only one of those left as a possibility, we are seeing people buying into this. So again, politics is changing because we need to cooperate and we need to have a joint agenda. 
Now, we wrote this week's post, which, by the way, you can find on greenedge.substack.com. Last weekend, while the details of Sunak's announcement were only just starting to emerge. But, Michael, are you able to fill us in on anything we found out since then? Well, since then, we've been to a number of meetings, and I'll just mention two. One was on batteries, and that was to the launch of the Green Alliance report on UK batteries, focusing very heavily on motor cars. And they had a very high power panel from across the industry with great experience. And yes, they were annoyed at what had been said at 4.30 on the Wednesday. But what you left that meeting with was the range of opportunities and potential around batteries, both in motor cars and broader in the whole energy supply system. But it was also telling no civil servants turned up to that meeting, if they were listed to attend. And then this week, Chris Skidmore launched a place-based net zero policies report from his new coalition of parties, local authorities, businesses and the like. And that ran to 50 or 60 pages. It was a joint report he'd written with Ben Houchin, who is the mayor of Tees Valley. And again, you came away from thinking there is a lot of momentum here. And on that meeting, we had about 180 people, predominantly from local authorities, who are all charged with policies related to the climate change emergency and also net zero. So we are powering ahead. And I think when we see a report coming out tomorrow on retrofit, we'll see exactly the same message coming across. Were UK 100 mentioned in that Skidmore meeting? Most certainly. Of course, they are part of that coalition. They are that coalition in themselves as a body, but they've certainly added their weight. But also you had people like Suez in the room for that meeting. Adam Reid was present. And so you're seeing the big corporations who are party to this process ploughing on, which is great to see. Okay, Michael, thank you. Uh, Well, finally, we're coming now to the end of September and your reports roundup will be coming out on Monday, the 2nd of October. And a little bird told me that one report in particular from Manpower has caught your eye. Yes, it's a global report. It's on green skills. And the things that really struck me was that the biggest driver for jobs growth is investment in green technologies over the next five years and the rapid growth in the referencing of green skills and qualifications in some shape or form in job descriptions and requirements coming in from their clients. And okay, it's a broad brush, but it gives you a flavour of a trend and the momentum of the placements that Manpower are making. And I'm sure if we went to the Recruitment and Employment Confederation and spoke to all their members, they would echo the same sorts of things. So that was an interesting, it's only a short document and we'll be listing it. I should add at the moment, we are listing four reports a day. Getting my loins for uploading all of that to the data portal. And I'm doing my best to keep the formats right. Thank you for listening to this Green Edge podcast. This podcast series accompanies the Green Edge newsletter, to which you can subscribe at greenedge.substack.com. The Green Edge is produced by Blue Mirror Insights. 